Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, NJ Smith. I'm Corey Tyndall. I'm Michael Morey. And I'm Missy Lonsinger. And uh, welcome to the, the Real Perspective Holiday Spectacular. Fireworks. Ho, ho, ho. Um, I should have brought my <clears throat> Christmas bells, my jingle bells. Yep, <laughs> yep. mainly because uh, both Missy and I's air horns sounded like uh, Blue from Blue's Clues. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> In case anybody was unaware of what we were going for with that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we're off to yeah, the start. So, yep, so this is a, 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 a two-act uh uh christmas episode the first half we're going to talk about our favorite christmas movie plural um each person brought one to talk about we're going to briefly share about it um and then uh we're in the back half we're going to talk about a film i'd never seen before that is celebrating its 30th anniversary not just this year but on the day we are recording this podcast yeah a muppet christmas carol so uh that's that's the real P holiday spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, who wants to share their Christmas movie first? Well, my my option is the the one that we're celebrating for the thirtieth anniversary. So I'll defer oh, okay. until then. <laughs> is that Corey, everyone's answer? Corey, do you want to go first? I I'm gonna opt out of this one because I don't really have like. What? Oh no! What? <laughs> what? I don't know if I really have like a favorite Christmas movie. So. Well, I expected this conversation to take a half hour. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. We're halfway two through minutes. the co-host and it's two minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I I enjoy Christmas movies, and, but I just don't. Like, some people have formative memories, like, growing up watching this, like, every year. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's not really, I don't really There's have that. Not like I mean, there was stuff I would watch, you know, like different year, you know, like the the animated like Grinch movie, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol is on that list too. But like, I you know, there wasn't I didn't have a movie that was like if I don't watch this, like it's not Christmas time or it's mm-hmm. not like huh. mm-hmm. yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, I I tried to think of it and think about like what one is my favorite and there's a lot of good ones that i enjoy like missy mm-hmm. i like the one that you're going to talk about so i won't steal yeah. your thunder but <laughs> i don't i don't know if i necessarily have like a favorite one so That's sorry fair. audience out there if you're is it the nice guys can i just say yours is the nice guys that takes place during christmas <laughs> Yeah, or, or do you want to have an argument about a uh, Die Hard? Die Hard, or, or, or is that like no, cliched entirely? No, I don't. <laughs> I had I had I one really this morning yeah. with someone about that. So <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't consider it one. So <laughs> I do. I don't care though. Yeah, me either. <laughs> it's a good I actually movie. do usually watch Die Hard every Christmas, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> so the most the most Christmas movie, and this is a weird thing. It's not even really related to it. Every year around Christmas, like, my sisters and I have a tradition of, like, we buy each other, like, Studio Ghibli movies because growing Mm. up we watched a lot of them, like Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service and stuff. So the most I can say is around December, I always get a hankering to watch a lot of the Miyazaki films. So that's cool. Okay, that's an answer. So, so yeah, that would sure. accept that as an answer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think that a Christmas movie has to be a Christmas movie. I f- sure as hell hope not, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll get to yeah. mine. Um, but uh, 
No, I, th- I honestly, I feel like a lot of people consider like the Lord of the Rings movies Christmas movies because they watch them every December. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Harry Potter was always shown during mm-hmm. ABC Family or Freeform oh, for yeah. 25 Days of Christmas. It's because there's like one scene and it's very snowy. It just feels magical. Like it. So yeah. I, I like that. So yeah, it was definitely I, Christmassy feeling. There you go. Miyazaki, everybody. It's good. Oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Do you have a particular one that it's like, this is the one I want to watch? Like, I mean, they're all so good for different reasons. I like, I mean, it's the very cliche. Like, I like Totoro. I like Kiki's Delivery mm. Service a lot, too. Princess Mononoke is really good. Mm. Princess Mononoke is really good. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen all of Kiki's Delivery Service all the way through. I mean, what I've seen is Charlie. I don't think I have either. Yeah. It's I good. I haven't seen that or Totoro either. Oh, Totoro's oh. good. It's yeah, good. definitely recommend it. Yeah. It's just, like, really charming. Mm. Yeah. He's just he has a magic in how he makes his films. So mm-hmm. yeah, just like a childlike wonder, which kind of does suit Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. I like it. that, Corey. You just inadvertently opened up a new conversation topic about what a Christmas movie actually is. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to be the one doing that, but that made me feel a lot better about my decision. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, even mine is not technically a Christmas movie. Like the director didn't even consider it a Christmas movie, so it actually yeah. is very appropriate that it's going this way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I was thinking about that, too, and that was what I was going to use as my justification when if people try to <laughs> yell yeah. at me about it. Um, if if I know what yours is, which I think I know what yours is, Missy. Yeah. You Probably. Want to, you want to say? Yeah, Missy. Do you want me to talk about it? Yep. <laughs> okay, so uh, my favorite, I, I think, just because it's also just one of my favorite films of all time, is It's a Wonderful mm-hmm. Life by Frank Capra. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like... I was reading up on it beforehand because I. it's funny that you guys brought up Die Hard and that we we did start this conversation about what's a Christmas movie because I've heard that the Die Hard argument about It's a Wonderful Life because they're like, it's not really a Christmas movie. Like, it, it's not like, um, you know, a Christmas Carol or anything like that where everything is kind of centered around it happening at Christmas. It's like Christmas happens to occur during the climactic moments of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was reading about it, like Frank Capra wanted it to be more of like a World War II movie. Uh, mm-hmm. like to celebrate mm-hmm. the troops to celebrate all the like at home soldiers like the common day everyday americans who were just yep. like doing what they could which is super cool um so if you are unfamiliar with the film which you're probably not I've, well i don't know i don't know how many people have seen it um i think I, it's still pretty much a staple for most people i don't right? know man well because it's public domain so it's like always on nbc every year um mm-hmm. but I it's also never really seen long it. and black and white yeah i'd never seen it until i was like 23 yeah same age actually okay well then so yeah for people who haven't seen it um it's about a guy named george bailey played by james stewart uh who's just like an everyman he's truly like the epitome of an everyman in a movie um and you see his entire life through the lens of these angels who are like playing out his life for this younger angel who's trying to get his wings named clarence uh, and George Bailey, almost to like a comical extent, has every door in the world slammed in his face. Like every dream that he hopes for, every wish that he has is is slammed in his face somehow. Um, just like every turn, and usually by his own devices, because he's such a caring and giving man that he gives so much of himself that he doesn't like. He's not able to take the opportunities when they do arise. Uh, and so he comes to a point where. Um, after making all these decisions to help everybody else, he's really down on his luck, is thinking about killing himself, and makes this wish when he meets the angel Clarence, uh, you know, I, it would basically be better if I'd never been born. And so 
it takes a it, it sounds like it should be a bad movie because it takes a really long time to get to that yeah. uh because at that point clarence mm-hmm. finally is like okay cool so let's see what your life or what everybody else's lives would be like if you weren't born and he sees that everybody's lives are basically shit like he sees the effects that he had um whether from big events or small events and and how much uh you know basically i feel like i've said the word effect like 50 times but how much it affected <laughs> everybody else in his life um and then you know ends up being very appreciative, recognizing that he has a wonderful life. Uh, mm. But yeah, so I love this movie. Um, again, I, I recognize there may be some nostalgia blinders. Like, if it wasn't so highly acclaimed, I would doubt my opinion of it because it it's a really long movie. Like, it, is, yeah. it definitely takes some patience. And yeah. the entire, like, almost the entire movie is just exposition going with George's background, which... Uh-huh. I mean, it is important. Like, we we need to know it. And I do think the conceit of having it done, like, purposely to show the angel. So it's not just, like... Like, Dune I hated because of all the exposition because it, it just felt force-fed. But this is like, oh, it makes sense. The angel needs to know about this guy's life that he's going to go help. Um, so, man, it's, a, it's a, a slow burn, but I think it's really good. I don't think a lot of Christmas movies delve into that deep of an existential crisis and i think it's one that's actually pretty common for a lot of people um but maybe not one that people talk about a lot uh of like you know what what would it be like if i died or if i wasn't here or if i hadn't been born because i mean it sounds kind of dark but it's it's a thought that I, i mean i would argue a lot of people have maybe considered if not thought deeply about and so to to see it um played out in george's life i don't know it's so beautiful it it like makes me cry every year because I'm a big baby, um, but it's it's just such a beautiful reminder of the effects that we have, because a lot of times, like, things just feel so fruitless, like, it, a lot of, whether it's work, whether mm. it's um, relationships or friendships and things like that, it can feel like you're just ramming your head into a wall, and that's how George feels, and then so to know that even some of the little tiny things that we're doing might have, like, monumental effects in a really positive way on other people, it's like, oh yeah, that is a really cool thing, and that's something to remember when you're feeling kind of, like, down on yourself or down about your life, so I love it. I think it's very heartwarming. Um, I love James Stewart, and he's incredible in this. Uh, Donna Reed is great. Lionel Barrymore is great. Uh, is the crotchety old rich man who's, like, his foil. Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, it is public domain, which is, like, a whole other thing. I don't know how that ended up happening, um, but I would recommend watch it on NBC on Christmas Eve. They play it every single year. Do not watch it in the colorized version. Uh, it's disgusting looking. <laughs> I, w- when I rewatched it the other day, um, I didn't realize on Amazon that they gave you the option of watching it black and white or color. And so I thought that I was watching the only option, which was color, and it looks gross. And, like, Jimmy Stewart, uh, I guess, actually went to Congress and, like, talked about mm-hmm. how it was dehumanizing mm-hmm. to see it yeah. colorized. <laughs> so it, wow. it just yeah. really, it, it doesn't look good. Um, it looks like it's been, like, water painted um, or watercolored. Yeah. So it's just, it's mm. really... Yeah, and the saturation is all off. It's it's gross, but yeah, yeah. all that to Ted say. Ted Turner, um, Ted Turner got the rights to a lot of those RKO, RKO movies, and was yeah. going to do that. He's going to do it to Citizen Kane too. <laughs> no, <laughs> movie looks so good in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> it just. Uh, also, yeah, it's, so it's in public it. domain. So, uh, Mike, there's your cue. Okay, next movie, Here the 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 horror reboot of It's a Wonderful Life. Heck yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's a horrible life. Oh, man. I make so much money now. Whoa. It writes itself. Uh, don't, don't do it. But yeah, so, I mean, you guys have all seen it, right? What, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on it? I will. I texted you guys about this other week when we were talking about it. I hadn't seen this movie until 
I was 23 and Hannah was like, let's watch it. It was like our first year being married. And Aww. I watched this movie and Missy, like you were talking about, like talks about all these deeper existential things. I feel like I had a mini existential crisis <laughs> going into this movie. Some of it was expectations because I've always heard this film talked about as like, it's a Christmas movie. And mm -hmm. I just know it's like, oh, it's a long Christmas movie and it's black and white. <laughs> and so that's all I knew. And so like going into it, I legitimately did not know what to expect. And so yeah. just as it just it's a slow burn into these kind of uh, deeper existential questions and like kind of a darker undertone of the story of just like all the stuff he's processing. And mm -hmm. yeah, I we got done with that movie and I was like so upset and so distraught <laughs> and it was it was our first year being married and Hannah was like I've never seen you this upset like I don't know what to do like what and I was oh like no it was, and she was like did you like the movie should we have not watched no it's like it's it was a good movie like it was really good I liked it I just I am I'm reeling right now so it's always <laughs> our it's always our joke is now just like Corey do you feel up for watching a wonderful life do you want to have an <laughs> existential crisis <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it's it's really good just to all the stuff that you were saying. I think it is it's not just nostalgia or, you know, you just growing up with like hearing all this stuff. It's like I literally had never seen it and mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this is I think this is a well made film. Yeah, um I, I did not see it until my early twenties as well. Oh wow. And yeah. I mean I knew I knew what it was about and um I, I think I had been exposed to the premise through a bunch of different parodies. Right. And yeah. like, mm. <laughs> this is very formative to me, but um, there was like a Rugrats episode one time <laughs> where it's like, like Tommy, the main character, I think like imagines like what happens if he doesn't, if he didn't exist or something. And it, mm -hmm. it, like now looking back, I was like, Oh, that was totally a take on that. But I had been exposed to the premise then through a lot of different like cartoons and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that, you know, obviously it, impacted me as much as some other stuff because I'd already seen that take on it. You know, it's so iconic yeah. that a lot of things already kind of... If they have a, a single episode of a sitcom, they might do something like this, you know, right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, for what it is, it, it is a very well-made movie. Um, you know, it's got a lot of heart. Jimmy Stewart does a great job in it. You know, the concept itself is a great concept. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I do think it is a little long. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm becoming like the pacing guy on this show. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, that's what I just talk about all the time. So I'm going to try to get <laughs> off of that. But I think that if you made this kind of movie today, you would probably get to the point faster of like the mm. what if I wasn't born thing, like within the first 15, 20 minutes instead of after like an hour. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing. It's just a different time. You know, things move at a different speed and yeah. movies like that. And also... It's just a really high concept that I think maybe requires more buy-in to 100 years ago, you know, or 75 yeah. years ago than maybe yeah. it does today. So it's different needs, different times, and I understand that. Um, it's not like a, a go-to movie for me, but I, I enjoy it. I think it's a great film. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't deny that. It's just um, it, some of its impact was, like, not felt by me. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, Mike. It's one of those movies, I know, Missy, you mentioned, like, having nostalgia blinders or whatever around it. I don't think so. I think people love this movie for good reason. And it's one of those movies that I've seen it twice, once as a kid, and I did not get it. And then mm -hmm. once as an adult, and I was like, yeah, I get it. But I didn't see it, like, on the best TV. Not that I need to watch everything on, like, a super giant, incredible TV. But it was just, like, 
it was I was I was married already mm. and okay. watched it on a CRT TV. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it would just like it, I think it's shot in Vista Vision or something. It and is. So it's yeah, and so it, like that whole the big wide beautiful shots are just not they're not mm. there on a CRT TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. You know, I think I wasn't able to appreciate the visual language of it that much. Um, it's one of those films that I need to revisit. Uh, like, it sounds like I don't like it that much. Um, but I like Frank Capra movies, and I like James Stewart a lot. So mm-hmm. I should love this movie. Um, it's also funny that you guys are talking about how long it is. It's only two hours and ten minutes long. <laughs> long. I think it's because, uh, like, does... the main story is not until yeah. the very end. Yeah, 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 well, yeah exactly. And, and also, I think a lot of us watch it on TV. against punctuated oh, yeah. by commercials. a million yeah. commercials. Oh, yeah, breaks. with commercials, and, it's, like, three hours. And yeah. I, I, I'm realizing now that, like, a lot of my enjoyment of things, if I watch something, a movie on TV, I can't watch movies on TV anymore. It kills the pacing yeah. to be punctuated oh, yeah. with yeah. so many commercial breaks. Like, no I, way. I have a really hard time appreciating a movie if I'm watching it on television, like, on, you yep. know, cable st- station or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those ones that I really need to because the people who love it are like people I trust, right? You know, like it's mm. it, and so like I feel like every time that there's a movie that people I trust love, I and I don't, I feel like it's a problem with me. And it could be that the movie just doesn't work for me. That's fine, but like I really need to give it a shot on like a better screen without commercials. Although I did yeah. I watched it on DVD. Mm. Um that the one time I watched it when I was an adult. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, it just, it's fine. Like I can't say anything wrong with it, but uh, I mean, it's funny that he's like, I just graduated high school and it's just, he's like oh, 38. Yeah. It's like yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that always makes me laugh. And then, yeah, it's, it's funny how little of a Christmas movie it actually is. Basically yeah. like the last scene takes mm. place on Christmas mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh. <clears throat> It's, it's funny as you guys talk about how long it is because, like, I really – the first time I watched it was as a kid. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. as you guys are discussing it and as, as we're talking about the length, I don't know how I sat through it as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. and I do remember falling asleep a lot when I'd watch it. Like, I used to joke that if we watched it, I w- if I stayed awake for it, I would cry or I would be asleep. Like, it, th- those were the only two options in watching It's a Wonderful Life. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I really liked it as a kid. Like, the, the jokes and some of the sight gags, like – because I was thinking, like, uh, the scene where they're dancing at the high school and they fall onto the pool on the floor, uh, as I think of scenes that could have been cut oh, yeah. to pick up the bass, that's, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. the first one. Number but as a kid, I thought that was great. Like, I thought that was so funny. Uh, so I'm like, I don't know. Like, it worked for me as a kid, even though it was long. Uh, definitely still works for me as an adult. Except I will say so, the the funniest part to me is that Mary, his wife's life, being ruined without him, is that she is an unmarried librarian. And that was, like, the worst thing that could have the happened worst. to her in life yeah. if she was an unmarried librarian. Um, so it's funny thinking about you, uh, like, it being astounding that you paid attention to it as a child. Um, because I just checked the runtime on another film that I think was probably a staple for a lot of us that came out in 1993, Jurassic Park, which is not yeah. a Christmas movie, but it is only four minutes shorter than It's a Wonderful oh, Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that clips um, along though. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's so funny how pacing uh, one improved from, and obviously very different films with very different goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so dinosaurs. Yeah, very, very similar runtime. So it's just funny how pacing can like really affect how stuff like that feels. Where like, you know, I don't think a single one of us would describe Jurassic Park as a long movie. No, <laughs> no. Um, you know what? It's a Wonderful Life needs is um, 
more I'm action sorry. scenes. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it should have been a World War II movie. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> Mr. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. FDR writing. I mean, that, re- that really would have solved a lot of George's problems. George Bailey yeah. had enough. It would have given him a lot more problems, but it yeah. would have solved the immediate problems. One bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, you just invented falling down. <laughs> or everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> what? Oh. It's kind of. It kind of is like like that premise, though, right? Like, oh, I see. No, it ab- it absolutely is. I almost brought that up when I was talking about it, but I. I didn't want to be that guy, but no, I'm, I'm no, glad you, you said that. Cause no, it totally it, is. Yeah. yeah it's, I see it. it's very much the idea of like nothing matters, but everything matters. And you can't always get like a clear cut answer on, on every single thing mm-hmm. you're doing and how it's going to affect people. But just know that it's like all seemingly insignificant in the grand scheme scheme of life, but also very, very important for the lives that we're living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, can I use that as the jumping off point to talk about mine? Go yeah. Ahead. Unless you, yeah, I'm, I'm done talking about it. I love it. Go okay. watch it. Um, so mine is a film about two men willing to risk it all for something they love. It's Jingle All the Way. No. Um, yes. <laughs> oh. Okay. Harold and Kumar uh, go to White Castle. No, this is not a film that really takes place during winter or Christmas. As a matter of fact, it takes place across um, the majority of the 1600s. <laughs> um, from like 50 years in the 1600s. Um and like I said, it has nothing to do with uh, the holiday really at all. Um, you would not watch this movie and be like, that gives me Christmassy vibes. Um, it is, and I watched it today so I can justify it with specific like context clues. Uh, it's Silence with the Martin Scorsese oh. movie about the priests. I've still not um, seen it. What? It's incredible. I Whoa, know. it's outstanding. It's I know. At- have you guys seen it, Corey and Mike? No, no I, I haven't. I have, but my, uh, my MK, <laughs> Why did I was, you say it like that? What? No, I, I know just, I will love it. I was just so surprised that this was your Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a Christmas movie. No, right? no, like, but it's, like it's not. You just kept like all, the last couple of weeks have been like. I wonder what it is. Like, is anybody yeah. going to troll us real hard? Like, what's happening? Yeah, when you're like, you're going to hate it or hate what I picked, I thought when you started saying two men, I was like, oh, it might be Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Harold and Kumar Christmas movie. Oh, um, God. Oh. Uh, no, I, it. so here's the thing, right? This is less of, like, a Christmas movie and more of what I would say, like, an is an Advent movie. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's obvious it's about two priests who go to Japan in the 1600s when a lot of persecution of um, Christians was happening. And the goal is to find this priest that they used to work with, played by Liam Neeson, um, yep. because there's there's been uh, uh, rumors that he's basically left the faith. He's, he's yeah. committed apostasy, and he's left the faith. And so they go to kind of try and track him down. But once they get there, they're greeted by a bunch of Japanese Christians who are kind of being Christians underground and having to navigate that aspect of it, too, of like performing the sacraments that they, you know, in they're, they're Jesuit priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so performing <clears throat> performing the 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 sacraments that are, you know, intrinsic to their faith and um, the things that they see as like will, will provide salvation to them, et cetera, et cetera, um, <clears throat> while also staying safe essentially yeah um and you know just kind of how the faith that faith which is you know pretty heavily european uh <clears throat> by that time bounces off essentially of 
Japanese culture and Andrew Garfield plays the priest at, mm-hmm. the, at the center of this. And he kind of struggles over the course of the film about whether he's doing the right thing, mm-hmm. whether he's um, <clears throat> there for the right reasons. Like, and he keeps praying and praying about, you know, God guide me, et cetera, et cetera. And he's met with silence. silence. That's the name of the movie. Right. Mm. But um, you know, he just, he does not feel God moving the way he did prior to coming to Japan. And then, you know, without spoiling it, because I think it's an incredible movie. Um, yeah. The title has a the, different meaning. The title yeah. has a different meaning. And also the, the, when, when God finally does break his silence, it is not in a way that is expected for the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and really forces the character to struggle with and reckon with maybe what faith is. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's really good. It's yeah. so yeah. good. Yeah, um, it's it such a good movie. It is really good. Uh, but the so the reason I picked it is because Advent, I think, is a season of a lot of melancholy. Like a lot of the stuff, a, a lot of the movies we picked for this guys is fr- they're pretty sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're pretty sad. There's like a there's I feel like there's like a deep longing in this season for rest right like we mm. we're weary from the year we're looking back on the year that we've had looking ahead to the year we're going to have in the next year um and then there's the added stresses in modern life of you know a lot of people work up until the day and maybe they have some time off but then there's christmas shopping and family plans and dinner and you know obligations at their workplace with holiday parties and things like that. So there's, there's this weariness that comes with the season, but it's oddly enough, like one of the busiest parts of everyone's year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think it can be hard to like, not to, not to boil it down to like a reason for the season type of platitude. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, um, I think it can be hard for a person of faith to, to, keep track of all that um yeah yeah and also you know if you think about what advent is for spiritual folks um it's the coming of the christ right like it's the birth of jesus Mm -hmm. and for us in 2022 that's a turn of the page for ancient peoples it was like 1400 years or something right like right yeah you know, well, that's, it's, a it's lot a of the hymnody, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is like a really mm-hmm. like sad sounding, almost like a dirge. But that's, I mean, it's kind of like yep. what you're talking about. That's what it is. It's the season of waiting and having to kind of mm-hmm. suffer and hope for what's going to be coming. I mean, that's what Advent mm-hmm. is, is, is waiting. So it's, oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the film is it's, you know, this priest played by Andrew Garfield enters his sort of personal Advent, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's he's listening and he's wanting God to speak. And then he just is not getting anything. And when God speaks in the season of waiting between the old Testament and the new Testament, it is not the way people expected God Mm, to come to the earth. Right. And it is in the most fragile possible vessel. Um, Mm -hmm. And when God finally speaks to uh, father Rodriguez in silence, it is not in a way that is expected at all. Mm. um yeah so that's that was my whole justification for it and like i said i watched it today and very much felt that uh it it lines up with the season though it does not depict the season whatsoever mm. <laughs> no i like that it, in no, some that's ways solid. that's like the most christmas really thing good. we've mentioned mm. that's really mm-hmm. good yeah nah. yep also 
stay tuned for our Good Friday episode where I talk about how The Irishman is a Lent movie. Um, (laughs) Not a joke. Not a joke. I think it's a perfect Lent movie. (laughs) I want to hear that episode. (laughs) These are like way more fleshed out thoughts than I was expecting given the the table setting that you were (laughs) doing in our text thread. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I feel like at first blush, it sounds like an insane pick, but I think once you explain it, it's actually like, Oh, it's actually not. Yeah. Okay. I see see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I think it's better than my backup answer was going to be for my favorites. What was it going to be? It was going to be some like Gundam movie that takes place during Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. um, I won't even talk about that. There's a Gundam movie that takes place during yeah. Christmas. It's it's fucking awesome. It's called Gundam <laughs> Wing Endless Waltz. But anyway, yeah, I was just about to say, is it Endless Waltz? It is that yeah, one. Yeah, it, it, it does take I've, place during Christmas. I have. Okay, seen now that we movie. gotta talk about Endless Waltz because <laughs> I'm obsessed with this. I, you uh, don't know what this is. Okay, so so Missy, uh, Gundam <laughs> is an anime franchise that is like their equivalent to Star Wars. Um, okay. It started like in 79, uh, which is like two years after Star Wars, and it has but, big robots that people pilot, and they fight yep. in wars with them. And so kind of Star Wars-esque in a way, but takes place mm-hmm. in like space, like colonies right outside of Earth. But sometimes um, on Earth. Sometimes, sometimes also mo- on Earth. That's things. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... And there's different like sub franchises within it. There's like one that's kind of there's like one main continuity that's been going on for like 30, 40 yeah. years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they have like a lot of um, spin-off series that take place in their own universes mm-hmm. that are like kind of the gateways for new audiences to go and watch. You know, so you don't have to like catch up on some thirty years of series. And yeah. so it's mostly television series. Um, but they also have like little mini series that are shorter and they have like better animation. And then sometimes they have movies yeah. as well. Um, but there was like a sub franchise in the nineties. Um, that was very popular at the time. It was the Gundam wing franchise. That was the yeah. first one that came over to America. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, along with like Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z kind of popping off in the nineties. Yeah. And so it was part of like that tsunami block on Cartoon Network. Oh, okay. Um, and so anyway, it was pretty popular at the time. And then, um, the company that manages Gundam Bandai kind of effed it up with the follow-up because <laughs> um, they like decided the follow-up should be, let's go and show the original Gundam series from the 70s, which like nobody in America wants to watch like some 70s <laughs> cartoon. Um, and then they tried to have this other offshoot that was yeah, not successful as well, Gundam uh, Seed. Yeah, Seed. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then they got like relegated to like the Midnight Block, which nobody yeah, watches. Yeah. And so, because mm. it, it had like a little too much violence for like normal primetime television. Yeah. Um, on Cartoon Network anyway. So anyway, it, it kind of it lost some of its appeal in the U.S. and kind of faltered in the desert for a while. But, I mean, it's kind of like a resurgence of anime um, in general in America. And I, and I think Gundam's right. beginning to pick up. Like, a lot of people picked up. A big thing about Gundam is that there's, like, model kits that you can make of, like, yeah. the robots from, from yep. Gundam. And then, like, the pandemic, a lot of people that were bored, they had time to go make crafts and stuff like that. So it's actually a big shortage of, like, Gundam model kits. Um, okay. What are those called? Make, uh, plastic. They're called um, Gunpla because Gundam gun plot. plastic. Gunpla. Yeah. That's what they're called. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it's like very much like a, there's like a lot of like politics in the good Gundam series. Um, mm-hmm. There's like, you know, factions fighting. There's like the, this big about like space colonies. They're like rebelling against like the earth government because the earth government's kind of totalitarian and corrupt, but then the space colonies also commit like their own war crimes. So it's very much like a, like war is bad, like kind of story. Yeah. It's very okay. much emulating like how Japan felt after world war two, which is like, True. Hey, like war was really bad for all of us. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, um, like there's no good guys and like the only innocent people suffer type thing. 
Um, mm. I mean, that's kind of Japan's view of it anyway. Um, so I'll have to go and say there's this Gundam Wing series. It was like 50 episodes. It was awesome. Like I remember some people over, uh, who listen to our podcast, like Slade, um, Oren and I were like really into it in grade school. Um, and after it was, that was all done, um, they had an epilogue movie that came out like a year later in like 1998 or something. Yeah. Um, and it takes pl- like there's like a war between the colonies and earth, but it comes to a peaceful resolution at the end of the series. Um, and then this epilogue movie happens and it takes place like a year later, kind of like how it was being produced. And it's kind of like dealing with the repercussions of that war. And there's like a group of people who they want to restart the war again, basically. And it's kind of like an epilogue to the series, but it takes place during Christmas. There's some cool action scenes. Uh, there's huh. some Christmas imagery. It's got a kick-ass soundtrack. It's actually the guy who played Shadow of the Colossus. Um, the guy who did the soundtrack to that did the soundtrack to Gundam Wing. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And, wow. Uh, Love that game. It, yeah, it, he did great music in Gundam, um, Gundam Wing, too. And, yeah. Um, it's got some like a Christmassy kind of sound to the soundtrack, too. I, was kinda, I plop it in every now and then um, like while listening to it. And it's got some like good characters. It's got like some moral philosophy on like what the nature of war is and like, you know, soldiers who find peace, like what do they do now? Because some people just like some soldiers who were fighting their entire lives now have peace, but they now don't know what to do with themselves. Right. So, uh, but also in giant robots beating the shit out of each other. So it's <laughs> nice. super entertaining. Yeah. Um, and uh, then it all wraps up when people realize like that they need to like let go of their past grudges and like try to move on into the future that they worked uh like hard to uh attain so um th- that's actually like almost a quote verbatim from the movie so um anyway it, it, it's not very christmasy besides the setting but um like i actually don't like a lot of christmas themed movies besides some shane black stuff i mean that's I always a good one either too what? um yeah and th- other than the mo- main one that we're going to talk to which is muppet so now that i just yeah. went and gave a giant spiel about something that basically no one no cares that was th- that was <laughs> no, amazing mike i felt no, like that i was flashed great. back to part of my childhood yeah like because i i loved gundam and i watched yeah. it so i that was crazy no i'm yeah. not expecting that, that on this cool. episode <laughs> i know yeah. i want to watch it too i just checked just watch and it's only on vrv oh uh, what the hell is that uh, there's like um, sometimes uh, the there's a Gundam like YouTube channel that Bandai puts up. They like cycle through shows and mm. movies like every huh. couple months, and sometimes they go and put up that for free. Um, oh, okay. But like it's mostly standalone-ish. I mean, it might seem a little weird or something like that. Like you almost don't need to watch like the 50 episode series, and you'll pretty much be caught up on what's going on because yeah. like it actually flashbacks to some of the main characters in the sh- yeah. series like earlier lives like mm-hmm. like the reasons why they like started fighting and stuff like that because a lot of them are like child soldiers um yeah. and so it's almost like a prequel to the series too so it kind of gets you caught up in like who they are like what they're about mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. okay but but like i'm just gonna use this as like a platform because we're on the subject anyway like gundam's a pretty cool series and i wish that like hollywood i mean netflix is apparently associated with legendary films it's supposed to go and make some live action version of a gundam that worries um, me maybe, yeah, um, huh. I've got Isn't some. Isn't Jordan Vote Roberts supposed to do yeah, it? Yeah, he's supposed to be the director of it, but I mean, like, we haven't heard an update on this for like two or three years now. Yeah, so he's I also don't supposed know. to be making a Metal, Metal Gear Solid movie too. Yeah, right, so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, Why are you guys worried? Every live action of an anime has been so good, <sighs> especially <Yeah>. on Netflix. <laughs> Shout out to yeah. Death Man. Oh yeah, Cowboy Bebop. 
Yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> so bad. Um, I couldn't I even get through one that episode. Out of my brain. <laughs> that know, happened I, this year, didn't they, it? No, last no, it, year, last year. Really? Last uh, year. They tried to yeah. just erase that. They just tried to pretend that didn't happen. We yeah. didn't do yeah. that. Do you, yeah. So do you think that this is getting real deep in the weeds with yeah. the political slash real world? Parallels. Do you think that they chose to set it during Christmas as like a comment on, even though it was not Japan, mm. Vietnam is something like the Tet Offensive? Oh, interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think it has. It was trying to make that kind of allegory. In fact, like basically the movie itself is like suggesting that the previous war ended around Christmas or something like that in the show. Oh, okay. Um, mm. and so then it's like a year later, some people are trying to rise up again, but like mm. in the show, it was never implied that it ended around Christmas. I don't think anyway, it's like a retcon almost. And so it was just like a theming thing. This one to have like snow and, and stuff and they want to draw some imagery, I guess, like people celebrating on Christmas and they're like, and then wars threatening like the peacetime, like Christmas mm. is a very like peacetime kind of like yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, for sure. you know, especially like world war two, like American films, which Japanese yeah. animators are influenced by, you know, there's a lot of like post-war Christmas time kind of movies and yeah. stuff like I, that. It's a Wonderful Life, right? Yeah, yeah right. Sure. yeah. Exactly. Isn't that like yeah. the first thing Capra made after he got back from the war? Yeah. yeah you know, Jimmy or, Stewart, or I think, Christmas was like story. fresh back too. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's more the reason. Um, but like Gundam's a cool series. I wish that like, I think there is a potential for a really good adaptation. I don't think Netflix or Legendary are capable of it. Um, no. But like, no. somebody who's like looking for the next star wars slash next transformers because that's kind of what it is you know yeah, yeah. Um, i mean people are piloting the robots not the robots themselves are characters but like it, it, a lot of the robots have like lightsaber-esque weapons and stuff too so nice. like, yeah know, sword pretty sweet. um like th there's potential there hollywood like for a good filmmaker to go and do that um so and there's a lot of political intrigue. So even your Game of Thrones type people, I would actually enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I would really like some some of you guys to like get into it. But like the main series is the best part. But you have to watch like uh, movies from the 70s, you know, like <laughs> to. Uh, but like some of, most of those are on Netflix now. Like the main series, some of it's on Netflix. But anyway, that's a subject that could be get into another day. But um, yeah, that's that would be my other favorite Christmas movie. That was amazing. That nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, deep cut. Dude, I... <laughs> so none of ours were, like, strictly Christmas. I mean, mine's yeah. Yeah. probably the closest, yeah. but, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, It's a Wonderful Life is the first film he made after he got back from the war, so... Yeah. Mm. Confirmed. <laughs> nice. I was like, oh, man, I hope no one yells at me that I'm wrong about that. <laughs> also, uh, the model kits are pretty cool, and you should check them out. They are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I know. That I haven't touched them for a reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't need another hobby, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Thanks for indulging that. That was a lot cooler than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Perfectly honest. Like okay. I thought we were right. just going to be like, I was going too deep in the weeds there. So no, that, was, no. that was a wild I, ride. We went, I everywhere. really want to see that movie now. Um, yeah. I like, do I, too. As soon as you were talking, like in the middle of you talking about it, I checked to see where I could stream it. <laughs> yeah. So, with that, uh, we're going to talk about Mike's actual favorite Christmas movie Woo. and a Christmas film I uh, had not uh, seen until uh, yesterday. That's still um, so surprising to me that you went your whole childhood never seeing it. Yeah, I thought yeah. that like I had like a thing at my house and you were present for it when we watched it. Am I wrong? I don't know. No, okay. maybe. I, I, I feel like I've seen like bits and pieces of the movie, but never yeah. like mm. sat down. Because like, I feel like I watched some of it in school like the day before break or whatever. Like... 
you know, and I thought it came out much later than it did. It came out in 1992. Right. Yeah. Um, I remembered it being later in the 90s for some reason. I thought um, so, too. But yeah, it's a Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, which we've, we've already mentioned the name of. It's a Christmas Carol with the Muppets. That's the plot. Uh, That's it. Gonzo. Story Michael Caine as uh, the deadly serious performer that he is. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. He's so good at this movie, you guys. Uh, Humbug. Yeah. So yep. Michael Caine is Ebenezer Scrooge doing all the Ebenezer Scrooge things Ebenezer Scrooge does. I really feel like I don't need to explain Christmas Carol to you guys. Yeah. Um, but Gonzo and Rizzo are kind of our guides uh, through this. Gonzo is Charles Dickens in quotes um through through this and they sort of sh- him and rizzo kind of show up and sort of explain what's going on or what's narrate. about to happen narrate yeah. with excerpts from the the book mm-hmm. um and, and also some like irreverent muppet jokes on top of that um and then like literally everyone else in this movie is a muppet like yeah, there's, there's there's yeah. like one other named human character, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's uh, Scrooge's well, there's his nephew, nephew. too. His nephew, well, I was right. gonna say Clara, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two other named human characters, yeah. Um, and the rest are Muppets, so filling in the roles, uh, Kermit is Bob Cratchit, um, and Miss Piggy is surname Emily or Emmy, yeah, something like Emmy. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Fozzie plays. Scrooge's former Fozzie Wig. Uh, Fozzie yeah, Fozzie Wig and Fezzy Wig. Great. Um, yeah. Uh, Robin the Frog is Tiny Tim, which is, this is going to sound stupid because it's Muppets, is really good Muppet casting. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Statler and Waldorf are um, the Jacob, Marleys. Marley, uh, Jake, yeah. Jacob and Jacob. Robert. Marley, okay, so I have made to pause. Up, right? Yeah. Right. For my entire life, I thought that the, in A Christmas Carol, there were two because Same. of A Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. I didn't realize there's only one. There's this one. Yeah. Jake. I saw the George C. Scott one as an adult, and I was like, where the hell is the other one? one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's our cool song? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Marley and Marley. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Dude, that song slaps. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> I think it's the all best song in the do. movie. Yeah. I think it is they the best all, song, though. Yeah. They're, they're all really good. But um, yeah, so it's also a musical. So there's a bunch of songs um, all written by Paul Williams, who also wrote the music for uh, the Muppet movie and Muppets Take Manhattan. Manhattan. And I think he also did the music for... Did he do Muppet Treasure Great... Island? Muppet Treasure Island. I'm, did I think he? So. Was I that think so. Paul Williams? I mean, it sounds uh, very similar. Uh, Paul Williams... These, these movies on? came out fairly close to each other, right? Yeah, especially yeah. Treasure Island and uh, Christmas yeah. Carol. Yeah. Because um, those were prime yeah, childhood watches been... for me. Yeah, yeah, so he did the... Oh, okay. No, so he only did uh, the Muppet movie and Muppet Christmas Carol. Wow. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. oh he also did Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Nice. They just have a deep bench oh. for their music because, I mean, even getting Brett McKenzie was great for the newer ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Muppets yeah. have it with music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's, it's, that's it. It's, it's ju- literally just Control-C, Control-V, add some Muppets and hire Paul Williams. Yep. Um, and it's great, you guys. Yep. It's a real it's good so movie. Good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, I yep. think I should also mention uh, Brian Henson directed this. This was yeah. the first film. That was directed following Jim's uh, death. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Muppet thing that was directed following Jim Henson's death. So mm-hmm. um, there's like a, <clears throat> a dedication card at the beginning of the film 
to both him and one of the Muppet performers whose name escapes me, and that's rude. Um, <laughs> I cannot find it here. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that's it. I I assume I'm the only person who saw, saw it for the first time. Did anyone else see it for the first time in forever? Uh, no, I watched it no, every year. No, I watched it last I, year. I, I, I used to watch <laughs> it pretty much every year until um, we started watching like the DVD and the Blu-ray more often because mm. then it obviously we'll get into this later it the dvd and blu-rays do not have like the song that happens midway through that's kind of the best song and the emotional crux of the movie um mm. yeah which, you have to like yeah. the special features to find it yeah and like i want to watch it like as part of the film so i started mm-hmm. watching it less and less because i just kind of felt like this is not as good of a movie because of this um yeah. but in general now that like that song has been restored um i'll start watching it probably more often so um yeah, MJ, why don't we start with you? What, what do you think of the yeah. movie? Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Like, it yeah. is, <laughs> it is, I think, maybe the best version of A Christmas Carol I've ever oh, it seen. Is. I it is. I totally yeah. It's yeah. so good. Like, it just, the, also, I looked this up. Michael Caine is incredible in this movie and oh, not yeah. just, not just because it's Muppets, but also because it's Muppets. Like, mm-hmm. he's such a good Scrooge and, like yes there's the realistic interactions with the muppets that he has like basically treating them as as human performers in a very yeah. like tangible mm-hmm. way but he just the emotional arc he sends scrooge on is so affecting mm-hmm. yes um he's incredible i had to look up whether or not he got nominated for this movie because i was like he's doing oscars level work yeah. in this movie <laughs> yeah um, but on top of that, too, it's super well directed. Brian Henson directed the hell out of this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of really great camera work. The opening yes. shot yeah. that's like this like mm-hmm. big kind of dolly, uh, not dolly, crane shot over this like miniature city, city yeah. is so good. Yeah. And there's like really cool edit points. Like after Scrooge gets done with the um, uh, Ghost of Christmas Past, aka the creepiest mother who's ever oh, existed. Oh yeah, that little doll. Um, uh, he's like sitting hands. down with his head in his hands, and then it transitions around him to him sitting on his bed. Like that's mm-hmm. such a cool transition. Yes. There's this really great t- transition with the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, where he brings him out of the, like he brings him to Bob Cratchit's house out of the cemetery. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the camera like pans to the right and uses the body of the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come as the sort of transition out of the cemetery into the yeah. front door of Bob Cratchit's house. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that's incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it's so well made. And like all the Muppet work is really good. Obviously mm. yeah. the new Muppets they've introduced have really cool designs minus the ghost of Christmas past. Like the, I love a walk around Muppet. So the ghost of Christmas present is, was really great for me. And mm. then the ghost of Christmas yet to come is one of the coolest looking yeah. Muppets I've ever oh, yeah. seen. So, it's yeah. so Such cool. a cool so design. I love yeah. it. Yeah. 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 That's the other point I wanted to make make kids movies scary and sad again yes <laughs> yeah for sure yep. movies legit creepy mm-hmm. yeah it is. and it's better for it because Absolutely. it makes it feel real mm-hmm. yeah well, it's like even you. the scene where um <clears throat> with the ghost of christmas yet to come where he sees like the muppets gambling or like yeah gambling and like parceling out his possessions it's like it's so absurd to see muppets doing it and i was just talking to my friends about it like the spider muppet who's kind of organizing it all is so silly looking but it's like a tragically scary thing that's happening Mm. which is that you're dead and you're watching all your shit being dispersed by like these (laughs) silly puppets but it's like oh my gosh it's so good it's so well done yeah 
it, well, it goes and shows that, you know, I think we've mentioned this kind of stuff before, but the fact that, like, you can use Muppets to lower people's guards makes yeah. them more emotionally vulnerable to exploit mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it comes to the moments where it needs to hit and land. Yeah. And, and that's why it's actually kind of a more effective version of this story than almost any other. Like, this yeah. movie has kind of led to me thinking that every other version of the Christmas Carol is kind of inadequate and crappy yeah. in comparison. Yeah. Um, like I, I've seen the other ones. I've seen the George C. Scott. I've seen um, one with Patrick Stewart. I've seen others. I've seen that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they're not as good as this. Like the the arc just doesn't get sold as well. Like he uh, Scrooge kind of like flashes into being like a good guy way quicker or more suddenly in some of the other ones. Yeah. Versus this, I see the more emotional kind of uh, transformation, slow transformation, metamorphosis occurring mm-hmm. in real time mm-hmm. in this one. I feel like, um, it, but I mean some of that is just because like I think the the lightness is enhanced through the use of the Muppets, but then also yeah. the darkness is enhanced through the emotional availability that you have because of the lightness part of it. So it it runs the gamut and it has it has like a huge bandwidth to work on really that awesome. um, that nothing else does. And so yeah, the the Muppet aspect of it it's silly, but that silliness opens you up to other things. No, I love yeah. that because it's it's so true. I'm thinking of like the George C. Scott one is so dark and sad and bleak because Victorian England was dark and sad and bleak. Mm-hmm. And so it's like <clears throat> when everything is, is so bleak, it's it's not as stark as opposed to what you were saying, Mike, like with the Muppets, they're so cheery and cute that his like meanness and his scrooginess is like amplified. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and the songs too, the songs enhance oh, yeah. it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The songs... Uh, they, they actually flesh out the motivations and the feeling of Christmas and the story mm-hmm. way more than just the pure text. I'm not saying that Charles Dickens isn't a good writer because he oh, is, right. uh, you know, um, and I think the addition of the narrators and actually including the narration of the story itself into it is a good move versus other adaptations, which don't have the narrator, right. you know, the, no, the, the actual yeah. words in the um, movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, all that stuff goes together, but the songs enhance the mood, you know, like you have such great songs, um, you know, like Kermit and, you know, singing, uh, it's like, you know, uh, the almost Christmas time, right. Or oh, one, one more sleep, one more sleep, sleep. Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, song. which like, which, you know, like really, uh, gets you in the mood, but then you also have like the darkness too. And, uh, you know, the songs exemplifying Scrooge, you know, there goes Mr. Humbug and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, that song's um, so good. <laughs> yeah. They're all it, so like good. It establishes can... the character so efficiently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like the movie's not that long, but it like it, it free, it gets, it gets to the point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the songs like help bring you there in a way mm-hmm. that just maybe having the scenes one after another without the songs wouldn't get you there all the way. Yep. So it, it's like the complete package to me. I can't think of like a more perfect movie for what it is than this. No. Yeah, you're. I think you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right. It's it's just it is kind of a perfect movie top to bottom. Like it's, yeah, man, and, it's good. And I think that like we're finally in this stage now with this movie where. It's getting reappreciated because obviously, you know, critics from 10, 20 years ago, they're probably like an older set of critics um, who didn't grow up with it. But now all these millennials are becoming of age. You know, they're mm-hmm. writing blogs, they're writing retrospectives on internet sites or having YouTube channels or whatever. And we're now of the age where we can have children. I mean, you know, Corey, yeah. you, for example, do. Yeah. You know, and, and, or we have nephews or nieces or whatever, and we can introduce mm-hmm. it to them. And now we're of age to go and pass it on. And this was like formative for a 90s kid. This kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, you know, like it, it became a Christmas tradition in our house to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure lots of other people too. Mm-hmm. And so now we're reappraising it 
and we're like, hey, this was pretty good. Like, like don't discount yeah. this movie. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's pretty crazy because like the Muppets have kind of waned in their cultural power in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, disappointingly. Um, yeah. But you know, this is one area where they still like reign supreme and they kind of can still be relevant is, is this film. And I'm glad to see that persist throughout the years. And um, anyway, I, I just, I'm happy that like it hasn't been lost to time. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing too is like, I just watched this movie 24 hours ago Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I think a lot of times you can get the, okay, well this is like, right. This is a good movie. It's not a great movie, but Mm -hmm. it's a movie that is near and dear to a lot of people of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Uh, their heart and their Christmas traditions, but like I didn't grow up with it, so like it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Not with the Muppet Christmas Carol. Like I was watching this movie and I was enthralled the entire time. Like I was just like, oh, I get it. Like there's a reason why. Th- like this movie is as good as everyone says it is. Like it is not just childhood memories of like gathering around the family and watching this as a as a child. Yeah. You know, like this. It's it holds the f up <laughs> like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not like yeah, dated the... or anything like that really mm. either you know it's a 30 no. year old movie this is the 30th year celebration and yeah like you know the puppet work obviously you know you can buy into it or not but i can't think of a reason not to buy into the puppet work in this but it's so well done yeah like right? i think mm-hmm. that i think that elevates the film even more it's just it's mm-hmm. like yep. it's all done practically and so maybe even kids nowadays like they're used to seeing everything cgi they're probably like they look at the muppets and they're like how did how did they do that? Like yeah. that's so right. cool. And it, it I holds think, up better than CG yeah. from thirty years ago does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and even like some of the novel techniques like they that they chose, like the the um you know, the ghost of what Christmas the yet to come. Um yeah. like that it's kinda creepy, but like it's done well. Like they use like really novel techniques to go and mm-hmm. animate. Yeah, her. they did. Um mm-hmm. and so oh, the ghost of Christmas ghost, past, you mean? Sorry, Christmas past, yeah, sorry. Um yeah. You know, they, like they do um, interesting stuff with like motion uh, camera and slower camera speed and all that stuff yeah. with that character. Um, and, and so, like, they use some novel techniques in it too, and it still looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it ju- I think what you said too about the 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 comedy, like, this is like. Taika, freaking take notes, my dude. Like this is yeah. how, this is how you uh, make a really jokey movie. There's a lot of jokes in this movie, and they all yeah. hit. Yes, but oh, yeah. it yeah, never do. gets in the way of the drama of the film at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. They it comes in never, at the appropriate time. Yep, they never undercut a serious moment with a bit. Like even yeah. the running gags about like, <laughs> Gonzo and Rizzo getting yeeted off of windowsills. Everything, yeah. Like, it's yeah, always it's funny. Like it never gets in the way of anything. And also it doesn't get like old over the course of the movie. Like no. it's always, it's yes. always a funny timing to have that happen. Yeah. And, and they know when to bounce out. Like they literally just yep. go and say like, yeah, we'll see you at the finale or whatever. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. The ghost of uh, Christmas yet to come, right. Shows up like the movie knows, okay, this is serious time time to go and back off the jokes and we'll see you later you know yeah it, exactly it's, it's brilliant it doesn't step on itself yeah yeah uh cory what do you what are your thoughts on i mean you guys have things? said all these things like i i just agree with you the the camera works great the directing's really good we're just hannah and i were watching it and i just was like yeah man the writing is really good in this film mm-hmm. all the stuff you just talked about the humor 
I think all the jokes land. Yeah. I think I, but they know like how to write jokes and not undercut the story. I thought the whole choice of having Gonzo and Rizzo kind of be like the narrators outside of the story. I think that's like creatively really fun. It gives you a lot of real mm-hmm. estate, like with the Muppets, but mm-hmm. then it's also like, it kind of reins you in. Cause it's like, well, we have to tell this story. And it's like, it, it's a Christmas Carol and it has the Muppets, but it's mostly a Christmas Carol. So it's like, that's the story that we're going to do. So I just think like, there's just so many things that are executed really well in this film and it just holds up. And Missy, you went and saw the movie in a theater just this last week. Uh, the Fox Theater went and had a showing of it. What was that experience like? It was great. It was, um, <clears throat> A, it was really cool to see it on, like, a big screen. Although we, we talked about it before the podcast. I was annoyed that they didn't include When Love Is Gone. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was so, like... I felt like a little kid, especially during Kermit's song was the most notable. I like took it like step back for myself and was just like, this is so fun. This is like what I wish I could have had as a little kid. Cause I also had that weird uh, phantom memory of having seen it in theaters, but I definitely did not because I did not go to the theaters as a three-year-old. Um, so it was just fun experiencing it in a theater. And there were so many little kids there who were enjoying it so much. It was just like the perfect nice. environment. I think we've talked before about like having a good audience when you're watching something mm-hmm. and that really having mm-hmm. an effect. And so yeah. getting to watch it with the little kids, it's so great because the, the Muppets do such a good job. I mean, it's uh, of like, like you guys have been saying this whole time, conveying the really serious dramatic moments, but also offering something fun for the kids, something fun for the parents, something fun for everybody while still telling a really good story. And Michael Caine playing it serious as a heart attack is like, like A plus. Like it's, yeah. it's so yeah. good. I think about so like... How everything's so green screen nowadays and so well not green screen it's all motion capture but um how so many performers are having to perform off of like you know tennis Tennis balls balls. or whatever yeah yeah and it's like so it's it's not i mean i have to blame like current actors because he was playing off of puppets and and granted the muppets are their own like league of of performers as puppets or puppeteers but like the fact that he's he treats them i think somebody said earlier just like they're normal like live human performers like he he does not drop like an ounce of of the seriousness and and the depth that comes with this character and the emotional journey he has to go through it's just uh he does such a good job and that's another yeah. reason why when love is gone being cut is so tragic because that is such a sad scene and yeah. his his reaction yeah. to it is so beautiful so yeah it was great seeing it in theaters i i love this movie i love watching it every year yeah well, and- Go also, ahead, the the last song is called "When Love Is Found." Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, the whole yeah, movie hinges on this freaking song. Yeah, right. It d- doesn't really work as well, and when you don't understand like what that song is like responding to, which is the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the "When Love Is Gone." So, yeah, let's spend just like maybe a minute talking about that. Yeah, Apparently, what happened? Okay, so there's a song that happens midway through the movie for context of the audience called "When Love Is Gone." It's about it's back when Scrooge is looking at his past. Um, he goes and sees himself as a young man. He was engaged. His um, fiance leaves him. Um, and there's a song that she sings about how like the love is gone. He's like all into work and not really into like his relationship, men- uh, repairing that or uh, mending to it or, or tending to it. And um, it's pretty emotional. Um, you know, Michael Caine is reacting to seeing his younger self get rejected again, essentially. And he's crying throughout. Um, and the theatrical version of the movie 
removed that scene because um, yeah. test mm-hmm. audiences, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who became later the head of DreamWorks, DreamWorks. at the time was a, yeah. was a Disney chief, um, said like, hey, look at these kids. They're getting bored watching this test screening like during this scene. This is like too adult for them. And so he had them go and remove it from the theatrical version. Um, bad so call. So wild. What a so, wild decision. Yeah. Like, tremendously terrible call. Um, but the VHS version of the movie included the song. And so that's the version that a lot of us 90 kids grew up with was like, yeah, know, we, we, all have, we all think that we saw it in theaters, but we didn't. We watched the VHS version um, a lot. And so um, the thing is, though, is that supposedly they thought that the negatives of that scene had been lost. And so when it came out on DVD, eventually Blu-ray, they um, did not have access to the negatives. They couldn't restore it or anything like that. And so, um, you know, you can't just go and cut to like some scene that's like of worse quality, um, you know, from the VHS version halfway through your movie. So it'd be included in like extras, like deleted scenes in the worst quality in these subsequent releases. Um, but it wasn't until like 2020 that apparently disney or somebody found like the original negatives and then they restored it to um the version that's on disney plus now uh, or a version that's on disney plus and so now it's all of the same quality it can be found within the film itself so if you're ex- accessing an extra or whatever um but that is the wild course that that song or version has taken and just honestly like one of the all-time dumbest like things that you could do is removing that like bit because it adds so much emotion it's got some good yeah. acting from all the human characters, yeah. um, you know, including Michael Caine. Because, like, in the version that is the theatrical version, it goes and, like, cuts to her, like, you know, she breaks up with him very abruptly in the theatrical version, and then Michael Caine's, like, crying. And it's like, okay, well, like, I mean, I get it, but, like, you see him get emotional over the course of the song, and yeah. now in the theatrical version, it's just, like, he's immediately crying. And, you, like, and it's, like, almost like a, a musical cue that's still left over in the theatrical version mm-hmm. from the end of the mm-hmm. song that carries into that. It's very jarring if you know like what's supposed to be there. So, um, bad call, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, there's been a lot of knocks against him, and sometimes like his opinions of children's <laughs> entertainment over the years. Um, and this is definitely one of them. Um, but I'm glad now that you know there is the v- version exists in high quality of of that song. Yeah. Also, here's why yeah. it's a dumb decision. It's because like. This movie's already got kind of a big ask for kids because it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of scary. And so I think it works. I think it's good. But, like, you're only probably going to show this to kids of a certain age because of how scary it, it, it kind of is. So I think any kid who's able to handle the, like, creepier aspects of the film can definitely handle this, what, uh, three-minute song. Right. Yeah, right. Well, it's scary, but it's also like it's fucking Dickens. Like, so there's yeah. some adults who can't handle like that's meaty text. Even though yeah. obviously yeah. the Muppets speak anachronistically, like a lot of the characters are still talking in an older version of English than we like colloquially use. And yeah. so it's like it, it it is a big ask for kids. And granted, the Muppets do a lot of the legwork in making it kid accessible, but. Yeah, uh, if kids can put up with the narration and, and people talking in mm-hmm. like uh, Edwardian Victorian English, then I'm I'm sure they're fine with the song. Yeah, and I think you know, like <clears throat> again, this isn't to to slam his decision, but you know, like give kids some credit. Like yes. kids, yeah. Can, yeah, kids can intake a lot of things, whether it's just like in, like 
high levels of information or just even emotional moments. And I mm -hmm. like, obviously we have all outlined why this weakens the film to take this song out, but I think it does a huge disservice just to even your audience who's mm -hmm. primarily yeah. kids to take out this song, which might be one of the things where it's like they watch this movie and like, it really helps them to turn the corner of like, Oh, like he's watching this hard thing. And like, you get to see older, you know, uh, Michael Caine react to like seeing his younger self, all this stuff happening. Like, I think there, there's a lot of value in that, like in mm -hmm. so many ways. And so I just feel like you just undercut a lot of stuff for your audience to take it out. And it's like, yeah, like don't, don't sell kids short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like, don't just assume that because kids are fidgety, therefore they don't like something or, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's okay for kids to be comfortable for like three minutes. It's fine. Like, yeah, don't it's just, fine. Like, uh, don't just, um, you know, appeal to their ADHD nature because they're kids, you know, yeah. like, and also you can make films that are for children and also adults. And having that scene is good for the adults who are watching it with their yeah. families. It gives them mm -hmm. something to chew on too. You mm -hmm. know, you can, you yeah. make cross appeal, cross demographic movies. Which yeah. is what the Muppets are all about, too. Like, I yeah. want to circle around, back around to the Muppets of it all. Yeah. Um, which is, and we've all talked about how great Michael Caine is in this movie. And it's not that he's not great. Like, I don't want to have my next point sound like I'm trying to undercut the, the work right. he does in this movie. It's just obvious <laughs> that he's great. It's yeah. obvious that he's great. But also, like, have you ever seen people interact with the Muppets? I've never seen anyone interact with the Muppets and not a hundred percent buy into the fact that they're interacting with Kermit the Frog or Cookie right. Monster or whatever. Like, yeah. and you, you know, they can see the people operating the freaking puppet, you <laughs> yeah. know. But like, it does not matter to them. Like, there's, I think, especially with like the Sesame Street Muppets too. Um, like, there's, I, I, I remember the first time I realized this was uh, my mom was watching Cake Boss and they did like. <laughs> They did a big cookie because it was Cookie Monster's birthday and they brought it to the set of Sesame Street. And you see them walk onto the set of Sesame Street and the cake boss himself, Buddy, lights up at the fact that he is meeting Cookie Monster. Like, immediately gives Cookie Monster a giant hug, is just like, hey, what's up, Cookie Monster? Like, there's no pretense about who he, like, that he is not interacting with Cookie Monster. Uh, in front of it, which is a testament to how good these Muppet performers are. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But also just like, there's something about having like a real tangible thing in front of you that you can, you can interact with. Like there's even, the, yeah. <laughs> there's this really great moment where Gonzo and Rizzo are, are talking and they turn and look at each other and there's just a beat. And then Rizzo just smooches Gonzo on the yes, nose. Yes, on the nose. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so it's cute. It's so funny. It's, and I think it, it just plays like, they just did that. Like it was just improvised by the Muppet performers who were doing that. And then they just left it in the movie. It yep. feels like it. <laughs> it. Like, I was just like, Oh, they just did that. Cause they were messing around and it was just so like random and funny. Like this little, like this little moment that gets a laugh without like, like I said, undercutting anything else that comes before or after it. Um, and so they just, it's like delightful. So they just left it in there. And I think that's like, they did that a lot. Like if you watch a lot of the outtakes of Muppet stuff, Jim Henson improved a lot of stuff. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor from Sesame street and um, like Emmett Otter's drug band Christmas and the Muppet movies. It's just them like trying to find bits and things to kind of just kind of exploring the scenes. Um, 
in a way and it's you know thinking about that it's like they shot on film film like that 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 must have gotten expensive um yeah and uh but it it just i think that's what sets the muppets apart too is like the premiere sort of puppet thing right like Mm -hmm. you know i think the closest we have is like stop motion stuff right like the right the rankin bass sort of um what's it uh like rudolph and things like that those are the only things that come close to something like this as far as like marionette puppety things yeah 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 well and puppetry is such like a lost art form like we don't Mm. really see a lot of it and and and, like kind of i can see for good reason because like their expressions don't change uh but like they're so but i mean i i almost had to like second guess myself saying that because they're so expressive in the films mm-hmm. and the way that they're operated yeah. and the voice acting it's like i would have thought that their faces were mechanical and changing and i'm like no they have pretty much th- i mean their eyebrows and stuff can move yeah. but it's like for the most part it's the same face but they man it's uh the henson company just really does such a beautiful job like it's such a distinct art form and they they kill mm-hmm. it yeah it, yeah even yeah. though the faces aren't expressive, that the character work, like the ways that they can manipulate the puppets, though, yes. they can express mm-hmm. their characters in other ways, which exactly. is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely an underrated aspect of this movie. I agree. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously Michael Caine's great. You know, and, right. and what yeah. he's doing yeah. is difficult yeah. acting against them, but they all they're giving him a lot to work with oh, that yeah. people don't appreciate. What's well, almost like so in in theater, there's um, a really old Italian art form called Commedia dell'arte, where yeah. they yeah, it's like all the archetypal characters kind of mm-hmm. come from that, um, and they would wear masks, which again is kind of like with puppets, you have the same expression the whole time, so you really have to rely on your body to express who you are as a character and you know your motivations and stuff. And it's like it, it's high art. Like it sounds weird to say, but Muppets are absolutely high art because that's what they're no, doing. It's sure. essentially essentially like Commedia dell'arte. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing, right? Like. So when do the when, this is uh let's see so the Muppets start um roughly around 1955. Oh wow. Um. Jim Henson has a stitch named after him. Mm-hmm. Like. That's awesome. It feels like by 1955 we would have figured out like how to make textile fabric fit together pretty like it feels like we probably had a handle on that right um but he found this way to hide stitches or hide seams Mm -hmm. in very obvious places it's called the henson stitch um you can see it on kermit his seam runs right up the middle of his nose uh but you don't think about it at all Mm -hmm. and it like the amount of work that you have to put in to one revolutionize how puppets are put together in 1955 and like figure out how to hide the seams and then have that thing named after you. Like that's, that's not nothing. (laughs) You know, that's, that's an incredible (laughs) amount of work and dedication to your craft. Like before they even got popular, like Henson thought this through because they don't really burst onto the scene until like the 60s sometime, right? With uh, Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It just, it, there's there's a level of craft in the Muppets that is always just astonishing to me. Thinking about like how they have to build those sets or if you if you guys know how they filmed the, um, what's it called in the Muppet movie? Not Easy Be, or uh, no, not Not Easy Being Green. Rainbow Connection, which is mm-hmm. the opening to the Muppet movie. 
Mm-hmm. Henson really wanted to be able to shoot Kermit 360 degrees, which they'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they basically built this swamp set, made a fake log. Henson laid down in the log and operated yeah. Kermit. And one of the reeds was like a uh, basically a, a tube that he could breathe out of, like a snorkel. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What? So just watching this movie and seeing also how many damn Muppets are in this movie. Oh, yeah. There are yeah. so <laughs> many Muppet extras in this movie. Yeah. And in every frame of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always. There's always a Muppet on screen. And uh, to just kind of think about that and like all the holes they had to cut in the set, all the force perspective they had to do to mm-hmm. you know make it look proportional to michael kane but then also make them the puppets look proportional to each other mm-hmm. like it's a lot of work that went into this and it's to like and then on top of all that to make the film really interesting looking visually yeah. so like yeah. saying like oh i want to tilt the camera here well what's you know what are my sight lines going to be within the lens of the camera when i do that and if i yep. tilt the camera from a stationary position i still have to build the set out to where you know if the camera starts in a normal position and then i tilt the camera i have to make sure i'm not getting anything yeah. any of the holes in the yeah. set like there's a it's a it's a monumental task mm-hmm. to make and a, a, not a have that movie. all draw attention to itself right exactly. you know like yeah where you as the audience are like okay this is the place where the guy's sitting through the hole in the floor or yeah. you know, whatever um like that that's important to go and not break the uh verisimilitude of it all as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and, and, and zooming out even further, the Muppet of it all, right? Like, we talked a little bit in the last podcast that we were part of, um, the Weird Al Yankovic story, mm-hmm. um, where we're talking about things that were influences on us, right? Our mm-hmm. senses of humor in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and MJ, you and I were talking about, like, that, and, um, you know, Mr. Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. And then, like, to me, anyway, this is another one of those pillars, right? Oh, the yeah, Muppet. for sure. Um, Same. You know, like... Like the fact that you can be silly, but then also be serious. You know, it's like yeah. that's a staple yeah. of the Muppets, right? Is yeah. is how they can be both of those things. And like you can buy into something that like on its face is stupid. Like, man, these puppets, you know? Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, they're just like felt, you know, little things on sticks that people are using. But like I buy into those characters. Like and they have very consistent qualities to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they stand for different things or different types of personalities and stuff. And like, I, I buy into the drama that they provide and that's kind of like something that, you know, I think I try to aspire to in some of my own stuff is to have like, you know, a silly element that doesn't take myself seriously. Um, but then also like I can be serious when I need to be. And, and I think that like that kind of like depth, if you want to call it, or, um, you know, at least that range is, is important for a story to be told um, mm-hmm. as well. And so anyway, it's just, I really respect like the Muppets in general and yeah. like, like kind of how like the weird owl thing was like a launch pad for me to talk about that. Like this is another thing that's just, I can tell like this is an aspect of me now looking back, you know, at the time I didn't mm-hmm. see it happening growing up as a kid. It's just like, oh, that's a show, a movie I watch. And you know, these are the shows I watch or whatever yeah. the other Muppets things. But this thing, like it had an effect on me um, and, and it stuck with me since then. It taught me a lot about like myself and storytelling and, and the different yeah. things that you can do. Um, there's not like one valid way to tell a serious story. You can have mm-hmm. goofy elements within it and still be serious. No, that's a good point. The Muppets are also like really influential 
for me in a very similar way. I think it also introduced me to like a lot of like weird 1970s talent because mm. they would run reruns of the Muppet show mm-hmm. on uh, Disney. And so yes. like, I'm pretty sure like, that's why I know who George Burns is. That's why I know who Madeline mm-hmm. Kahn is. I'm sure my first exposure to Steve Martin was on the Muppets. Like, Oh yeah, for sure. The, you know, John Cleese, even like we were not like really an Anglophile type of household. Like I'm sure my first exposure to John Cleese was on the Muppet show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, just in all, those are a bunch of performers that I could say probably influenced, like, my sense of humor in a really big way because of the Muppets. And I grew up loving Sesame Street. Like, Sesame Street was so formative to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, like, that the one-two punch of that and Mr. Rogers was, like, my morning was set growing oh, yeah. up, you know. Um, and so... Yeah, they've. I think they've. They've been there for a lot of people for a long time. I mean, they're fifty-five. Like my mom was born in fifty, and she's seventy-one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, seventy-six years. No, sorry, uh, sixty-seven-ish years um, that they've been around. Like, that's a long time. I wish Disney would do more with them or and hire better Muppet performers. The the new voices are terrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the new Kermit mm. voice I listened to, I was like, oh, oh what is this garbage? It's mm. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't like it's Frank so Oz bad. doesn't do it anymore, right? Hasn't he like refused yeah. to, to partake? Yeah. 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 Frank Oz isn't doing it. They lost a lot of their like all time Muppet performers. A lot of them aged out of it too. It's just, you know, there's yeah. a lot. Of, that's the other thing. Right. I think about like the physical strength to hold your arms above your head for that long in these yeah. weird angles. Like yeah. that's that's some crazy like shoulder strength that you have to have to to keep your hand elevated above your head that long and like move it around as much as they are with an apparatus on it. Right. Yeah. Want to move yeah. it so intricately too cuz it's mm-hmm. like a yeah, it's just going to hurt and be sore from doing that, but you have to be so subtle with some of their movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, you know, and, and, we, and we wouldn't have Yoda without the Muppets, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. We, we wouldn't have like a lot of CG kids movies like Toy Story and Pixar. You know, like there's there's things where like the characters are they have rigs associated mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. in CG movies, right? Like, what are those based off of if not like puppets and yeah. you know, the, and the way you move their joints and, and also human beings have joints. Um but <laughs> like you know there's a lot of things that we owe to the Muppets and to like good puppetry um that we don't appreciate and it's it's sad how they've lost a certain amount of relevance over the last decade or two. There was a brief blip where it came back with the the, the Muppets, um, twenty eleven aptly movie. titled like yeah. was like twenty ten yeah. movie or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, since then it kind of waned again. But it is a lot there that um, was a value, and um, I'm glad that this movie at least preserves it in one sense. Yeah, yeah, I. Disney, do more stuff with the Muppets. They're great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, this is, like, the most Muppet movie to me. Like, mm-hmm. like if you ever need, like, to point someone towards something, like, as an introduction or something that sums it up the best, I think this is the movie that you go and show for that. No, yeah, I think you're right. Like, as much as I want to say Muppet movie, there's a lot of really outdated cameos that people, yeah. like, 1970s celebrities yeah. that, like, you're, who yeah. the hell is this person? And, 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 and it's just paced, like, a little slowly in comparison. Mm-hmm. To this, like, this moves pretty quick. Yeah, it's yeah. only 90 minutes right yeah yeah right but like yeah it's you know who's gonna recognize paul williams like we know he did the music but who's gonna recognize paul williams when he has the cameo as the piano player in the saloon right yeah in in, in, uh that movie or like um charles groden in that yeah uh, no he's a great muppet oh yeah that's it yeah yeah yeah. um like carol kane's in it and like people know who carol kane is but like 
it's gonna be weird to see her young i feel like for a lot of people yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, i don't know like bob hopes in that movie uh right richard Pryor's in that movie orson welles is in the, <laughs> the muppet movie I yeah about that. yeah yeah that movie's stacked with cameos mel brooks steve martin cloris leachman elliot gould milton burl mm-hmm. telly savalas is, <laughs> is in it um man what a good movie i love the muppet movie too yeah i'm in the mood to watch that now too yeah i kind of want to go watch the muppets muppet movie. are great i love yeah, the muppets are. i don't know do you guys missy and, and Corey? do you guys have like a personal history with the muppets or was it just kind of growing up with this no i mean um, yeah i watched the muppet stuff growing up uh this one muppet treasure island i feel mm-hmm. like we're very formative um it was kind of like that's I would say, like, that's how I got into Muppets. But, I mean, I've seen a lot of the other, you know, all of the, the old school Muppet stuff. And then, obviously, that, like, that newer Reboot. movie. But, yeah. It's, I, yeah, it's just always something that was, like, part of me growing up. And I've just always enjoyed it. And it's just, yeah, it's like, for all the reasons we've talked about, just as an adult, I just have more appreciation. It's like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, mine, I I think, was kind of similar to yours, MJ. Like, I remember watching The Muppet Show on Disney Channel as a kid, and I I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Mm -hmm. Um, This and Muppet Treasure Island, uh, I loved, and I I would watch as much as I could. Um, And that was, like, I I know for a lot of people, like, Rocky Horror is their first introduction to Tim Curry. For me, it was, like, Home Alone 2 and Muppet Treasure Island. And I loved Tim Curry because of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah um it's it, it's so good and as far as being formative um yeah like having the actors that they did on the muppet show so like madeline khan is my favorite actress of all time she's like who she's i try to model my my own acting after as a comedic actress and it's just like the the comedy of the muppets is is so like absurd but there's such a self-awareness of like we know what we are and we're mm-hmm. still doing it and it's like i love that like within comedy it's like i know that what this is kind of silly but they're fully accepting like of it and and just go with it and i i love that like that to me is is hilarious and uh it's just it's so good and yeah very formative for me as an actor and just uh as as an appreciator of of good film and storytelling the muppets are great mm-hmm. yeah i think henson's just sensibility is just so i mean it was really it was so ahead of its time i feel like yeah. like i feel like i feel like we just didn't appreciate the muppets as much as we could have until like the 90s honestly like mm-hmm. i felt yeah. like that's when the muppet fever was at its, its fever pitch which is weird because it was all these 70s celebrities um but yeah i mean i think uh i i think that they just like you said the 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 way he tells the story with the muppets too is so like it's so like funny mm-hmm. but serious yeah. Like they take on a, like, you know, Kermit's just kind of like a stressed out middle manager type of guy. Yeah. Right. But he never feels one dimensional. No. Um, he always, he has like a brilliant inner life that Henson brings to him. It's wild. Like thinking about that. Um, Cause yeah. he's just like a yeah. puppet frog. Um, but you, you always understand where Kermit's coming from. And it's always like to make the best show possible. Like he's, he's sort of a role model in that. Like he does his job well. So like you want to, you know, he does his job well, but like never, like he will stand up for himself, but he's never rude. He's never mean. You know, he he tries to pull the team together, and he ultimately does. And he may have to jump through a lot of hoops to do it. Like 
he's there's a lot of like admirable qualities about some of these muppets you know mm-hmm. um which is you know it's it's really funny to say that because they're just pieces of felt but they're so animated and there's so much personality that the performers bring to them that like you do relate to they have very human struggles especially the older you get yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i was gonna say it sounds um, silly that kermit is the perfect straight man because the rest of mm-hmm. them are very caricature like piggy is wonderful and amazing but she's right. i mean a lot of them are, are very over the top and so it's mm-hmm. like to, to discuss these these puppets as if they're humans and it's like oh yeah he's he's the perfect straight man and kermit's our every man and it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's great yeah sorry mike go ahead <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, and one thing I really appreciate about it is just how earnest all of it is. There's not like yeah. a lot of cynicism. Or until irony. Maybe like, you know, yeah, right. Like, until like maybe some more recent attempts at rebooting it. Like I think like the ABC show was maybe a little harder edged or something that mm-hmm. was on a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, what, what they stood for was something that um, was, was earnest and sincere in how it believed and how it acted. And I really appreciate that. Like I'm, I'm very against like, you know, a lot of the cynicalism or cynical aspect of um, a lot of comedy nowadays in society. So um, I was always um, heartened by the popularity of the Muppets when, you know, it was relevant that like people fought against that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think too, it also to to bring it back to the Christmas part of all this. And we talked about this a little bit in our group chat. There's like a weird melancholy within the Muppets. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's like, there's a longing that these characters have, like particularly Gonzo across a lot of the movies of like trying to get back to his home planet and like learn more about it. Yeah. Muppets from outer space. And just like, I'm going to go back there someday in the Muppet movie. Like, it just like, even I mean Rainbow Connection is kind of a bummer ass song, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's, it, it expresses like this deep longing for something more, something bigger than the swamp, right? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just uh, it, it it I feel like they're the perfect vehicle for this sort of not just this story of a Christmas Carol, which is one full of melancholy, but this season too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Muppet, there's something very weirdly inherently Christmassy about the Muppets that it kind of feels like, why didn't they do more Muppet Christmas stuff? Yeah. 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 It's funny, as you mentioned, like Rainbow Connection and how like a much of a bummer of a song it is. It's like, again, going back to like the Muppets and the fact that they're puppets, the level of remove with it being done through these like cute little silly cartoons, it's like you can still absorb it and get this like beautiful message and relate to it but it doesn't Mm -hmm. quite feel as like depressing as if like you know a human was singing it like if i'm watching Mm -hmm. a sad victorian child sing like rainbow connection i'm like this is horrible but like if it's you know kermit singing it it's like oh there there's the part of me that's like i'm watching like a cartoon or an animation almost but so i can i don't know but it's still relatable it's still there so i can get the theme without being fully overblown by like the sadness Mm -hmm. of it all Right. Yeah, there's yeah, an optimism yeah. to the 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 way yeah. that they they operate the Muppets for sure. Yeah, and and you have some automatic buy-in, you know, mm-hmm. from like because you emotionally already probably connect with some of these characters. But then again, on the other hand, you someone who was just watching some of this stuff for the first time can buy into it without knowing the characters. Mm-hmm. So right, you know, there there's something they're in a, a weird spot where they kind of can have their cake and eat it too. It's mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing quite like the uh, there's nothing quite like the Muppets, which is why I wonder if Disney doesn't know what the hell to do with them. Um, yeah. They're I, like I feel like they feel like an oddity, but they're kind of not. Hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they don't know what to do with them, um, and it's a shame. But they also like persisted for a good forty years, and, yeah. and so somebody was able to figure it out for a period yeah. of time. I guess I guess that was Jim Henson and his son um, yeah. primarily, but yeah. Um, maybe that's the the missing component but 
I don't know. I mean, you can make a lot more literary adaptations with them and uh, yeah. maybe be okay. Um, yeah. Th- there was a path there, you know, for them. Um, and then, you know, I guess they chose not to really took, take it after Treasure Island. Um, yeah. But I think that maybe Treasure Island was a little bit of a disappointment financially. I, I, mm. I, I don't remember exactly. But I think I remember seeing that somewhere. Um, you know, and then I think kids just became supposedly, you know, market research or whatever told them, yeah, they're more into CG cartoons now than puppets or, yeah. you know, whatever. Which is sad. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it is. Um, yeah. because, you know, I think that you can have all kinds of different things, not just one thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and the departure from the literature, like you were saying, like, I mean, that was such a great way. My first exposure to Dickens was through Muppet Christmas Carol. And then I ended up reading, you know, a lot of his works as an adult and it's it's great but i loved having that that door it was the perfect door to open up that or reading robert louis stevenson mm. and and mm. stuff like that like we need to <laughs> i i feel old but i'm like we need to be doing that with these young kids get them off the youtube like That's put them right. back bring on back wishbone guys bring, yes. bring back wishbone wishbone, wishbone kicks yeah. ass <laughs> absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um anyway yeah should we bring this to a close <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh you guys have anything else about muppet christmas carol it's great it's good. It's Go so watch good. it. Yeah. It's so good. What a wonderful movie. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for 2022. Um, uh, to sort of be kind of sappy about it um, with my co-hosts, I'm real proud of us this year, guys. Like, it just... Mm. This is my favorite year we've ever done the podcast, I think. Um, so, thanks. Yeah. No, it... It's been a good year. It's glad to have everybody back on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that, me back. You know? Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. For coming no, it's, back. it's a good feeling, you know. Um, I wish some of the quality of the filmmaking or show <laughs> output was better, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I wish that Hollywood would get us act together on that front, but um, I think that we found some good things to talk about. Um, and I think I mentioned this earlier that... I thought I felt like that a lot of the stuff that we have been talking about were bad, but we actually talked about quite a few good things um, we did. Yeah. as well. Um, you know, I think there was a middle of the year doldrums where it was kind of bad, but it picked back up. And I'm glad that we got to talk about things that we like liked <laughs> yeah. at yeah. the end of it all. Yeah. So uh, thanks for a good year. Also, yep. we figured out Hollywood's problem. Just put Muppets in everything. And then I mean, be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a question. I don't know if we have time for this, but you can add Muppets to one thing. What is it? Like, you can do uh, the, the Muppet X. What do you do? Oh, jeez. Um, hmm. Die Hard. Muppet nice. Die Hard? That'd be great. <laughs> I, I wanted to see, I want to see, you know, 80s Bruce Willis interact with Kermit in Die Hard. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and, and, um... Uh, Hans Gruber interact with him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, Alan Rickman would have been an incredible performer against the Muppets. Yeah, yeah. he would. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was gonna joke Schindler's List, but I think in reality, <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to watch, <laughs> no. like, if I could see a movie remade with Muppets that I think would still be stellar, if not even better, like one of my favorite movies is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I feel like Gene Wilder oh. doing that with the Muppets Ooh. would have been so fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. a good pick. Wow. Corey, do you have one? I have one if you need more time. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, I'm going to bring back the movie I've been talking about the entire back half of the year. Muppet Knives Out. Muppet Knives Out. Yeah, that'd be pretty good, actually. That would be fun. Keep Benoit Blanc. Everyone else is a Muppet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that makes me think of Clue also. Just bring Tim Curry back with the Muppets, but do Clue. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a Wonderful That's Life so could work pretty well. I, mean, I was thinking it's a Wonderful Life. Kermit is, is George Bailey, 100%. Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, by the way, we didn't really mention this, but A Christmas Carol and a It's a Wonderful Life are kind of the similar no, I, I almost yeah. brought that up, yeah. but they go in opposite trajectories where you start yes, out with a good right. man who goes into despair and then, mm-hmm. you know, realizes his life is good as opposed to the bad man who yeah, yeah, yeah. sees that his life anyway, is bad. I, Oh, also, I wouldn't mind if uh, Jimmy Stewart was still in. I would really like to see Jimmy Stewart interact with a mother. Oh, my I just God. That'd be really charming. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Kermit, Kermit. <laughs> Kermit, my car. Um, Is Sam the, Sam the Eagle's Mr. Potter, right? Oh, oh, oh hell yeah. yeah. Or, or Stotler and Waldorf. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be good. I still have to say my favorite joke in Muppet Christmas Carol is when Sam the Eagle says, like, it's the American it's way. It's the American and way. way. And then he's like, it's it's yeah, I, I, I bust that quote out every now and then. I do, it's too. Really it's good. so funny to me. That's the self-awareness. It's so freaking funny. And business, when he's like, business, like, all the time. Yeah, I oh. like when he when he. It's such a stupid low hanging fruit joke where he talks about like businesses. Like, it, what does he say? Like, business is what made society as sturdy as the school or whatever. Oh, and then yeah. the busts all fall down. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Corey, do you have your Muppet your Muppet movie your dream Muppet movie? I don't, but those are all great choices. Now I just want to see those. Yeah. <laughs> Muppet, Muppet Totoro. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Oh, my okay. gosh. Wow. That'd be wild. That would be wild. Could you make a Ghibli movie? That would be the one, right? If you were going to do like a Muppet Ghibli movie. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I want to see Muppet Princess Mononoke myself. <laughs> but... M- Muppet Spirited Away. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Muppet Princess Bride would be fun. Oh, oh yes. that would be fun. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, it's almost a Muppet movie. It feels like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep Christopher Guest. The rest can be Muppets. Uh, Most Christopher Guest movies could be Muppet movies. Oh, hundred percent. Muppet Best in Show. Yep. A Muppet for Guffman. Uh, oh, Muppet Waiting for Guffman. I mean, Waiting for Guffman is basically a Muppet movie. Oh yeah. Hmm. His characters are all hmm. Muppets, just humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Gosh. Hollywood put us in charge. We got some ideas. Yep. <laughs> yes. Muppet. Dude, I... Muppet Knives Out. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Right? It really would. Who would be Daniel Craig's character? We Daniel, have Craig. Daniel Craig. I would keep Daniel okay. Craig as Ben okay. Blanc and then have him in. just interacting with the Muppets. Muppet. Yeah. That oh, ridiculous right. accent plus uh, plus the Muppets so good that'd be a great idea yeah mm-hmm. well uh i'm trying to think how do you get nicholas cage to interact with the muppets <laughs> because i was yes. yeah. muppet national oh treasure oh my gosh yep <laughs> i would love to watch nicholas cage interact with the muppets that would be yeah, amazing I'll, i would love to see them steal the declaration of independence together <laughs> it'd be like the great off. muppet keeper <laughs> it would be like the great muppet keeper <laughs> Yeah. Oh, not the bees. That be with Muppets. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, this has yeah. been off track. <laughs> yeah. This is way off the rails. Uh, plugs. Anyone have any plugs for the last show this year? Uh, I mean, if if you're thinking of a perfect <laughs> stocking stuffer, go and pick up my 500-page novel that will not fit in a stocking, please. Or one of or both of them, which will definitely not fit in the, your stocking. Uh, yeah. The Aurora War and the Ashen Prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey? YouTube, Real Filmmaking. Uh, you know where to find me. Nice. Missy? 
I have nothing. Go watch no. Christmas movies. They're great. <laughs> no, no, no free Diet Coke today? No, unfortunately not. I had to buy my own Diet Coke. I'm struggling. <laughs> my condolences. Uh, Thanks. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, Jaws for a Minute just wrapped up. Missy is on the last episode of Let's Jaws for a Minute for the year and the last episode of uh, season one of Steven Spielberg. Um, she Yay. came on to talk about yeah. Hook. Um, it's not out yet. If you're listening to this the day this episode came out, it'll be out next Friday. Um, and that's the it, that's it for uh, my podcasting for the year. Oh, no, just kidding. I recorded this yesterday. I'm going to be back on the Beard Al podcast, which is a podcast about, you guessed it, Beer and Weird Al, um, to mm. rank the songs on Alpocalypse. Um, hmm. And in the course of it, I know that I mentioned that uh my on 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 our episode about the weird al movie i mentioned that my favorite weird al song is you don't love me anymore there was a song i forgot and it is on the apocalypse album and that is actually my favorite weird al song um it's my number one on that ranking so if you want to listen to that that'll be out december 30th so i'm the last guest of the year on the the beard al podcast uh so shout out to lauren for having me back um you can find her wherever your pods are casted um other than that, let's jaws for a minute. If you follow them on Twitter, we need to figure out what our next season is going to be. Uh, also, if you want to tell us some stuff you want us to cover in the new year on this show, I got nothing. <laughs> like I don't know what our next episode is. I don't know. If Why you do you think have... we're talking about Christmas movies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. So if there's something you're dying for us to uh, to cover, please let us know because I beyond me um uh yeah until next time uh james cameron's mr. the potter is the bad guy oh who oh mr oh, potter mr potter mr oh. potter <laughs> i said james cameron even though he didn't come up on this episode <laughs> i love that it's even better yeah <laughs>